Thank you for listening to a student ministry sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about the student ministry or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com. And now, here's this week's student ministry sermon. As Adam said, my name is Isaac. I'm really excited to get to be here this evening with you all. Last week, Adam introduced our series for this semester called Family Portrait. We are looking at discovering completeness in Jesus and how when you accept Jesus, you are instantly part of his family. But what does that mean? What does that look like for us? We're going to start unpacking those questions tonight. And in fact, the next three weeks, we will be talking about the idea of embracing the gospel. And tonight we start with adoption. Adoption? Hmm, that, that's interesting. Um, so then there are two questions that I have. First, most of us, when we think about building a family and putting a family together, we don't often think of adoption first. We often first think of giving birth to babies and building families that way. And so if we're talking about being part of the family of God and putting a family together, why is it that we're talking about adoption first? Pause. Two, people are often asked to preach about a certain topic because they know a lot about it or maybe they're an expert on whatever that is. Um, So the second thing I've been trying to figure out is why did Adam ask me to speak to you all about adoption tonight? Well, perhaps it's because of this first picture that you'll see up here. This is Anna Vernon. Her parents, Mike and Carol Vernon, are very dear friends of my family. And when we were growing up, they decided to adopt. And so Anna came to live with them and be their daughter. I remember very vividly being at their house the night she came home. We all got to hang out together and see her, and I got to watch her grow up. Well, maybe it's because Mike and Carol eventually adopted another little baby, and this was a boy named Clark. And here you see a picture of Anna and Clark and their sister, Olivia. What a beautiful family they are, and this is them grown up. Or perhaps Adam asked me to talk to you all because my neighbors, the Woods, they adopted a little boy from the Caribbean named Robbie. Here's a picture of him. And so I get to see Robbie almost every day. I get to watch him grow up. And so maybe because of all my interactions with him is why Adam asked me to speak to you all. Or perhaps it's because my wife Maggie, her family adopted a little girl from China named Lily. Here's her picture and what she looks like today. And so maybe because I have a sister-in-law who's adopted, uh, Adam asked me to talk to you all about adoption. Or perhaps it's because of Maggie's job. Just about every day she deals with foster care and children who are being adopted. And so she knows a lot about what that means. Oh, I got it. Maybe the reason that Adam asked me is um, because a lot of the families in our church and even families in this room tonight either have adopted or are going through adoption. And I know a lot about them and their stories. No, no, no. Here it is. The reason Adam asked me to speak to you guys tonight is because Maggie and I are actually in the process of adopting a child. And so obviously I know a lot about it. Hmm. Actually, none of this is correct. The reason Adam asked me to speak to you all tonight about adoption is the same reason he could have asked anyone who calls on the name of Jesus. 
The reason is that Adam asked me because I know the truth of Romans chapter 8. And the reason we're talking about adoption first when talking about building and being part of the family of God is also the same truth from Romans 8. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ provided we suffer with him in order that we also may be glorified with him. Romans eight fourteen through 17. So what does this text mean for us? I tell you what, it's great news. It means we have been adopted into the family of God. It means we are children of God. It means we have to change how we understand what it means to be part of the family of God. It means we have to change our view of the Father It means that our sin no longer separates us from the Father. For you see, if we believe the gospel message summed up in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. If we believe that message, then we must reverse our view of the Father because we are his children. But hold on. If you're telling me we have to reverse our view of the Father, then this means two things. First, we already have some type of view of the Father, and secondly, that that view is wrong. So we need to figure out what that current view of the Father is, and then we need to to change it, to figure out how we need to change it. To help us understand that a little more, and that concept of our misunderstanding of our Father, I want to tell you about Uh, two boys and their father. The older boy is a senior in high school, and the younger boy is a freshman. Now, these two boys have two completely different outlooks on life. The older boy is hardworking. He helps out on the family farm, is very close to his family. He obeys and does what his father tells him. The younger boy is more of a free spirit. He lives in the moment. He does what is best for him right now. And he takes for granted all that his father has given him. The older son plans to work out in the fields, help his family, and eventually take over the family farm. The younger son is a good boy. However, he just can't live at home anymore. His parents drive him crazy, and he just wants to get out and start on his own. So one day, while the older son was out working the fields, as he does... The younger son came to his father and asked if he could go ahead and have his inheritance. He wanted to get out and go, be on his own, get away from this family, and be his own man. Although disappointed, the father nonetheless divided all his property between the two sons and gave the younger son his share of the inheritance. And when the older brother found out, he was furious at his little brother. But the next day, the younger son, he sets off to start his new life on his own. Of course, he has no idea how to budget his money, no idea how to spend it wisely, no idea what it means to live on his own, because, let's be honest, he's a freshman in high school. He's got no idea, no clue. And so within just a few months 
of being out on his own, he has foolishly spent the entire inheritance that his father had given him. Of course, as luck would have it, at that same point in time, the whole country was in a recession. So he was now living in poverty. He did know how to work on the farm. He did know how to do some things out in the field. And so he knew he had to make some money. And so he figured, hey, maybe I can go find a farmer and offer to work for him on his farm. And so that's just what he did. He went and he hired himself out to a rich farmer who had sent um, him to, to go out into the field and feed his pigs. But this boy was so hungry and so tired that he thought, you know, I could, I could just go and eat all this slop that I'm feeding to the pigs. And maybe tonight, since I'm so tired and I, I've got no money for a room, I could just go lay down in the barn with them. And as he's thinking this, he finally realizes, oh, I've hit a low. I'm at the lowest point I could be. I'm living worse than the farmhands that work for my father. At least they have real food to eat and a place to lay their head at night. Maybe if I just go back home, my father will hire me as one of the farmhands to work on the farm. And so the next day, that's what he did. He nervously began the journey back to his father's house. He prepared this whole speech in his head. Listen, um, Dad, I... Uh, I messed this whole thing up. I went and I spent this entire inheritance you gave me. I don't know what I'm doing. I've sinned against you. Honestly, I don't even deserve to be called your son. All the same though, will you consider hiring me back as, as just a farmhand? And so as the young boy's walking down the street, he turns off the main and onto the long winding driveway leading up to his family farmhouse. His father is busy in the kitchen doing dishes and preparing the food for that night. And at that moment, he looks out the window and notices this young, ragged looking teenager walking up the driveway toward the house. Filled with compassion, the father slings open the screen door and tears off down the driveway and wraps up his son in a huge bear hug. A little confused by what's just happened, the young son takes a deep breath and then delivers the speech he's prepared and asks, or asks his father if he can be a hired farmhand to work on the farm. What are you talking about, his father asks. Instead of the punishment the boy is expecting, the father sends someone into town to buy a brand new outfit for the boy. Some nice new clothes, new shoes, and for supper, the father prepares the best steaks money could buy. He spares no expense. The father says, my son was dead, but he is alive again. He was lost and he is found. And so tonight we celebrate. The younger son was completely confused, having not received at all the welcome home he expected. All these months that the younger brother has been gone, the older brother has carried on business as usual. He wakes up every day before dawn and heads out to work in the fields for the family. On the particular day that his younger brother came home, as he was heading in from, from the fields for the night, he began to hear music and shouting and laughter and smelled this beautiful aroma of food. And he asked one of the farmhands that's walking in with him what was going on. <laughs> 
And the farmhand told him, Your brother has come home, and your father has prepared a special meal, dressed him in a brand new outfit, and is throwing a celebration because he is so happy that his dead son has returned to life. Obviously, the older brother was furious, and he refused to go celebrate with his family. The father came out and begged him to come in, but the older son said, I have worked hard for this family as long as I can remember. I've never disobeyed, yet you never cooked even like hamburgers for me, much less the best steaks money can buy. We celebrate my little brother who has done everything completely wrong and coming back home. Why don't we ever celebrate my faithfulness to the family? And my little brother, he comes home and he squandered half of what you own and you cook him the absolute best steaks you can find and you buy him this brand new beautiful outfit and shoes. And the father says to him, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for your brother was dead and now he is alive He was lost and is now found. The older son was completely upset, having not received the reward he thought he deserved for his faithfulness. So neither son received from their father exactly what they thought they were going to get. Well, some of you might recognize this story as being very similar to the story of the prodigal son from Luke chapter 15. We often think of that story as the story of this younger son who goes off and squanders everything his father has given him. But really, this parable is the story of two sons, neither of whom understand their father. This parable is really the story of two sons, neither of whom understand their father. I would imagine that in a room of this magnitude of a couple hundred of us, we have many different views of our Heavenly Father. Just like this two, these two boys, many of us don't have a clue about our relationship with Him or what that looks like or what that means for us. For many of us, our view of the Heavenly Father is very closely tied to our relationship with our earthly fathers and mothers or perhaps other parent figures. Let's take this chair as an example. A lot of us equate a big, comfortable chair like this or a lazy boy with our earthly fathers. For some of us in the room, that chair is a wonderful place filled with great, warm, fuzzy memories where you sat with your father and had fun conversations about life. Perhaps you sat on your dad's lap on a Saturday morning and ate bowls of cereal together and watched cartoons. For others of us in the room, that chair is full of bad memories. Perhaps your dad would come home from work and just didn't want to interact with the family and would just plop down in the chair where he was not to be interrupted. Perhaps he was doing more work. Perhaps he just didn't want to interact with anybody and so he would just zone away watching TV the rest of the night. I'm also not naive. I realize that some of us in the room tonight don't really have any memories of a big comfy chair like this. Or memories of someone we call an earthly dad. Because perhaps 
Our dad left when we were really young. Or perhaps our parents died or just weren't around very often because they had to work so much. Well, for any of us in any of these views of an earthly father or any of the memories we have with a chair like this, anybody who plays a parent role for you, I want us right now to just kind of throw that out the window as we're thinking about our Heavenly Father. You see, the gospel reverses our view of the Heavenly Father, and it helps us understand the Father in ways that the boys in this story never could. So in order to understand your Heavenly Father, who has adopted you into his family, you must first have a relationship with him. If you don't have a relationship, Tonight is the night to do that. Tonight is the night to begin to form a relationship with your Heavenly Father. If you don't know how to do that or what that looks like or what that means, I want to ask you to find an adult or one of your peers who do have a relationship with Jesus, a relationship with their Heavenly Father, and figure out how you can form that into your own life. Tonight, you can go do that when we're through in here and when we go to our connection groups. Talk about what it means to have a relationship with your Heavenly Father because that is a relationship unlike any other you will ever know. Because you see, when the gospel reverses our view of the Father, that means that things can't stay the same as they once were. That means that things can't stay the same as they are right now, here tonight. When you're adopted into a family, it means you are part of that family. It means you have real relationships with those people. When you're adopted into a family, you get all the benefits of the family. You get the inheritance. Remember these verses that we read earlier from Romans 8. This is verses 16 and 17. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. And Kaylee, I want to ask you to leave that slide up for just a minute while we talk about it. So we are children of God, and therefore we are heirs of what God has to offer. And we are fellow heirs along with Christ. Do you know what this means? This means life. This means family. I'm in. You're in. We're all in. You just need to choose to live by this spirit that we're talking about. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, those things do not define you. Christ defines you. Your adoption as a son or a daughter of God defines you. And so this means that we are not dead because of our sin. That means that this life that we're living is just a short prologue to the eternity that we will spend in heaven. Now, it's here that I must caution you. Choosing to be part of this family does not come cheap. Choosing to be part of this family does not mean that you will get rich or famous or live a healthy life. It does not guarantee any of that. Do you notice this ellipsis, these dots at the end of the slide we're looking at? That's because there's more to this verse. And it's something we can't ignore, which comes at the end of verse 17. So as we just read, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, dot, dot, dot. 
provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Oh, ouch. Um, I, I didn't know that was part of the deal. Suffering with Christ? I, I don't know. You see, joining this family and receiving this reward, this inheritance, it comes at a cost, at a price. We must consider the cost of being adopted into this family. Suffering along with Jesus, it might not be today or tomorrow, but choosing to be part of this family means enduring suffering along with Christ. And isn't that a price worth paying? Joining Jesus in his suffering so that we might know the glory that he knows, so that we might know an eternity in heaven. I want to be a co-heir with Christ. I want to let the gospel reverse my view of the Father. I want to receive the inheritance that comes from being adopted into this family. I'm betting my life on it, and I hope you will too. Earlier, I talked about my sister-in-law, Lily, who was adopted from China. She's now 11. She just started sixth grade, just started junior high, and y'all, she's seriously the best. I, I grew up an only child, and so I love having sisters and brothers. So Maggie's parents adopted her from China when she was 18 months old and brought her back to America to be part of their family. When Lily was an infant, her birth mother left her on a street corner in China. I don't know if you know much about China, but they were very strictly enforcing a rule called a one-child policy. And this means that you're only allowed to have one child because the population is getting so out of control. In Chinese culture, men are valued higher than women. It's the men who work, it's the men who make money. And so if you can only have one child, you're really hoping for a boy. In fact, some families are so set on having a baby boy that they would go to some pretty great lengths, pretty tragic lengths, in order to have one. They would do things like aborting their baby if they found out it was a girl. They will do things like, if they give birth to a girl, they'll secretly go kill her. Or the more humane, but still really tragic option of giving the baby girl up for adoption. Now, we don't know much about Lily's birth parents, but we do know that they didn't choose death for her. They chose life, and that is something we're eternally grateful for. So when she was 18 months old, Lily came to be a part of Maggie's family. She left an orphanage with workers to live in a home with a mom and a dad. She left a crib in a row of a hundred others to sleep in a bed in a room of her own. She was not the person she once was. You see, prior to being adopted, Lily's name was Yang Xing Shu, which I've got here on this name tag that I'm wearing. That was a name given to her by a government worker. There wasn't really any thought to it. In fact, until a recent law stopped it from happening, the Chinese government gave orphans a last name which identified them as orphans so that everyone would know their orphan status everywhere they went. The only meaning or purpose or significance Lily's prior name held was to identify her as an orphan, as fatherless. But when she was adopted, her name was changed. 
she was no longer Yang Xing Shu. She was given the name Lily, which her mom always knew she would call her, even before she met her or saw her. Her last name was now going to be Blankenship, the name of her father. So Yang Xing Shu became Lily Xing Blankenship, this new name tag that I'm putting on. She is now fully a Blankenship. She follows the Blankenship rules. She celebrates the Blankenship holidays. She goes on Blankenship vacations, and she eats the Blankenship food. You see, guys, when we are changed by the gospel, we are given a new name. Lily's name no longer identified her as an orphan, but as a child of her father. The moment Lily's adoption was finalized, it wasn't just her name that was changed. It was her entire identity. And because her identity was changed, her future was changed as well. You see, without a mom and a dad... Lily is just an abandoned orphan on a street corner in China. She has no home. She doesn't know love. She has no hope. She's just a number, one, amongst a hundred other orphans. And without Jesus, you and I are lifeless. We're hopeless. We have no future. We have no identity. We're unacceptable. We have no value or purpose. But to be in Christ is to have an identity. To be in Christ is to be protected. To be in Christ is to know who you are. To be in Christ is to know who you belong to. To be in Christ is to know the love of a good Father. And that changes everything. Thank you for listening to a student ministry sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about the student ministry, or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com.